You are not one of them. You are not a Jojo Seabass. You mean Jojo Siwa? I don't know what I mean, Janine. That's the point. Hi, I'm Madison Malone Kircher. And I'm Rachel Hampton, and you're listening to I See Why Mine. In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. And today, we are once again talking about an award show. How did this happen? I did not sign up for this. There is like a, a solid two-month period of the year with Tis the Life of a Culture Journalist to discuss Sunday night award shows in the early weekdays that follow. I have managed to avoid this thus far in my career, and I'm really feeling the blessing that was the last few years. Well, naturally today we're talking about the prestigious and elite (laughs) awards that are the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards. The most prestigious, the most elite, the most immaculate of slime available to man. (laughs) I mean... Is it really an award worth winning if it's not in the form of a tiny orange blimp? No. No, it's not. Like, who the fuck cares about a little golden man? Is it even made out of gold? No. Well then, fake news. (laughs) But you can be sure the orange blimp is made of blimp. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's made from bits of the Hindenburg. Not a Hindenburg reference. Did you see that viral tweet the other day about how there's actually only 25 blimps left in the world? I'm sorry, I didn't realize blimps were an endangered species. (laughs) Save the blimps, save the blimps, save the blimps. So the reason we're talking about blimps, and more importantly, the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards, mm-hmm. is a personal fave of mine. Jojo mm-hmm. Siwa has been egregiously wronged, in my opinion. Oh, without a doubt. But please, as the Jojo Siwa stan of this podcast, explain. Okay, so Jojo Siwa just icon of the Nickelodeon brand family, was nominated this year for the Best Social Music Star Award. What? I don't know what that means. Okay. But what I do know is she says that she was not at the show because she was not invited to the Kids' Choice Awards. I'm sorry. Didn't we just have this happen? Didn't we just do this? Yeah. Uh, do you get deja vu? Yes, correct. <laughs> so JoJo Siwa posts a video over the weekend explaining to her fans why she wasn't at the Kids' Choice Awards. And frankly, she seems pretty sad in it. A lot of you have been asking me why I'm not at the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards tonight, and the answer is very simple. I wasn't invited. I'm not sure why, but I just didn't get an invite. Justice, my girl JoJo! She also then starts retweeting tweets from people who are speculating as to why she wasn't invited, which I love that she's so established professionally that she gives just zero Fs. (laughs) I mean, I just feel like for so long, the running pop culture joke was what the fuck is a Jojo Siwa? And I feel like that suggests her preeminence. You wish you were a Jojo Siwa. So most of these tweets she's retweeting focusing on the idea that Jojo didn't get an invite because last year Jojo Siwa came out as gay. Again, justice for my girl Jojo. I will spare you this rant because you've absolutely heard me give it, but... Listen, go for it. <laughs> We're going to be talking about the cultural importance of Jojo Siwa as a queer children's icon for decades to come. This is like if Barney had been like, I love you. You love me. By the way, I'm LGBTQT. Pretend that landed properly. But you know what I mean? God, you almost made that land. I know. I'm it was really so close. upset that you didn't. <laughs> I mean, are you saying it's like when Dumbledore was gay? Because I was it's right. Nothing that, like you that. Know, it's nothing exa- like that. It's nothing like that. Right? <laughs> That was important, right? (laughs) So 
Her queerness is one theory. Another is that JoJo had beefed with Nickelodeon last year because she wanted to perform songs from her Nickelodeon movie on her tour and couldn't. And she gave a bunch of kind of spicy quotes around that time saying, quote, working for a company as a real human being, being treated only as a brand is fun until it's not. Ooh, spicy. Nickelodeon has yet to put out a statement about this, but it's kind of hard to imagine... (laughs) You know, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, you know? Yeah, I can't imagine what that statement would say. I can picture the PR minds in the room looking at a blank Word document and realizing how fucked they are. Even better, JoJo Siwa News, she recently cut her hair. So you're, what, you're, what you're telling me is you buried the lead. I really did. Infamous high ponytail queen, JoJo Siwa is very well known for this super tight and high ponytail that she sported on the top of her head from her dance mom days all the way until approximately last week, uh, usually accompanied by some kind of giant bow. That mm-hmm. bow you could then go purchase at a Claire's or a Walmart or a Target because the Siwa mm-hmm. families are branding masterminds. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. 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 I got to say, I was really worried for her, to be completely honest. Like, that ponytail was really tight i was her edges i was like baby girl you're too young for this you're too young to be losing your edges like this like you got a whole at least few decades of your career to go you can't be you don't need to get hair transplants at the age of 30 take the ponytail down well instead jojo said i will get rid of the ponytail and she lopped it all off and now has this like short clipper cut long on top short on the sides it's it's familiar to me i will say Oh, oh, is it familiar as in you perhaps uh, tweeted a photo of a honestly the exact same haircut? (laughs) (laughs) It's the exact same haircut. It is like the baby gay starter haircut. I'm chopping off my long ponytail special cut. Uh, We will, because I'm kind, tweet this photo from the show account. But yes, I, I felt a real kinship with that haircut. And I felt a real kinship with the traction alopecia that girl was getting as someone who's had their hair braided too tight. And I... I'm really happy for her and her edges. And I'm really happy for her and the as yet unnamed girlfriend she's currently dating. I could genuinely go on about Jojo Siwa forever and we will stop because it's time for a more uh, challenging topic. That's right. The TikTok challenges, they're back. Did they ever really leave? They didn't leave, but I'm, are you okay? I just made like a terrible transition pun and you said nothing. Listen, Madison, over the course of a year, you've waged a war of attrition, and I'm here to say that you've won. (laughs) The siege of Leningrad is over. (laughs) I have nothing left. Who am I in that metaphor? Yikes. (laughs) (laughs) That's up to you to decide. (laughs) On the show today, we're going to be talking about desking, a new viral game invented, made up by the creators of the TV show Abbott Elementary, as well as the Water Cup Challenge a real challenge, where people try to fill up a cup of water together? (laughs) And what these two things say about the state of viral challenges and why we like these so much. More challenges after the break. not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. 
Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. We are back at Abbott Elementary. Welcome to the third grade. I love it here. They have nap time. (laughs) You had nap time in the third grade? Honestly, I don't remember. Probably not. So Abbott Elementary, in case you're not watching, is an ABC sitcom created and starring Quinta Brunson about the staff of an elementary school in Philadelphia. It is a perfect cast, fantastic writing. It is inarguably one of the best sitcoms in a very long time. I'm gonna have to agree with Madison, which (laughs) kind of crazy. I feel like our taste in television is actually quite different. And the thing is, I don't really enjoy sitcoms. The last one I think I genuinely watched all the way through was Living Single, and that's not even a joke. So for me to sit down and recommend a sitcom here in 2022... It's groundbreaking, as is Abbott Elementary. Phenomenal show. So funny. So sweet. I could go on forever about it. Warning here. We are going to have spoilers ahead for a semi-recent episode of Abbott Elementary. Uh, But if you've been watching the show, you've definitely already seen this. And also, the episodes are 20 minutes. People catch up. So on this semi-recent episode, the teachers start to notice footprints on some of their desks and discover their students are participating in something called the desking challenge. It's a new online challenge where kids jump from desktop to desktop. Heard about it last week through the custodial network. I love this. So from the like truly from the moment this episode started, I was just it plays on a different level than any episode before it because it's so perfectly captures youth internet culture in a way that I think most sitcoms get terribly wrong to a cringy degree. How I Met Your Father looking at you. I can't believe you mentioned that show on this show. How dare you? But the thing is, Abbott Elementary has talked about and portrayed social media before. In an earlier episode, they had um, basically the trope where teachers go online and beg for school supplies because they're yeah. underfunded, uh, which was a stark representation of our social media economy, but very accurate, as is the desking challenge. Absolutely skewering. So the kids are participating in desking. The teachers are now like interrogating the students, good cop, bad cop style, (laughs) about who is the ringleader. They're trying to ID shoe, like the treads (laughs) of sneakers. They remove all the desks from the classroom and they pile them up in the auditorium. And still the desking continues. Not least because by piling all the desks in the auditorium, they realize they've created the perfect forbidden desk challenge. <laughs> Devious desk. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Obviously, this is dangerous. Uh, please do not participate in the desking challenge. If participating in the desking challenge <laughs> could be uh, detrimental to your health. And or if you're allergic to the desking challenge. So the teachers basically spend the entire episode trying to finally figure out how to get these kids to stop doing it. And they realize that the solution has to come from within. Barbara was right. Kids will always think teachers are lame. Can't fight that, but we can use it. 
Once I do this, and those kids see it, desking will be corny and over. As expected, this does work. Surprise. Watching your teacher do something makes it uncool. There's also a really funny running gag where the principal of the school, who's played by Janelle James, cannot get the desking video served to her on her TikTok, even though she's tried to convince her phone that she's 22. And Hmm. she's more concerned (laughs) about the fact that she cannot get these desking videos served her on TikTok (laughs) than she is about the fact that these kids might bust their head on the auditorium floor doing the desking challenge. What I'm getting here is that her phone's not listening to her. Or it is listening to her because it knows that she's not 22. I'm about to make a data point that will support your argument. But as soon as I finished this episode of Abbott Elementary, I opened up TikTok and suddenly was like inundated with challenge videos from a a challenge that's currently going re-viral. It's not even that new. And suddenly these videos were all over. We love the reviral cycle. Nothing new is on the internet. And you want to know why? Because your phone's listening to you. <laughs> okay, so the challenge, as I mentioned, is called the Water Cup Challenge. And it uh, it currently has like over 62 million views under the hashtag Water Cup Challenge on TikTok, which is a fair number, obviously. But I really do want to stress that the peak of this was June 2021. So if you haven't seen it, <laughs> the Water Cup Challenge is a... Calling it a challenge seems the stakes are very low. So all of the participants take turns adding water to a cup until somebody makes the cup overflow, which means they lose. And then usually that cup of water gets dumped over their head. What's funny about this challenge is that it's literally just pouring water into a cup. And you're you're sitting there thinking, why do I care? But then you realize what's really happening is surface tension. And I don't know about you, but when I was a kid in school, there was nothing more fascinating than surface tension to me. That little dome, the fuck is going on there? (laughs) Um, Like I said, this is not a new challenge by any means from the looks of it. It's been on the platform since at least last year. So I would not know you, listener, to be an ICYMI guy if at this point you were saying, okay, then why are we talking about it in April of 2022? Uh, The answer is the NFL. And we're back to our favorite topic, sports. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. We love sports. So on March 30th, uh, sportster Juju Smith-Schuster, who plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. (laughs) I said what I said. So Juju posts this TikTok featuring him and some fellow NFL sportsters uh, attempting, attempting again, this is so easy, doing the challenge. They're all trying to slowly fill up this plastic cup of water. And when the loser finally tips it over the edge, he gets thrown in the pool. Uh, as of recording this episode, that video has over 9 million views. The whole thing kind of has like rubber bands around a watermelon energy mm-hmm. to its suspense level, even though nothing explodes. It's truly just that the cup overflows. Well, someone does get thrown in a pool, so that's, that's true. fun. That's, that's, that is fun. Here's the part where we give you a tiny science lesson, because we are back in third grade. So the water overfills the glass, and there's this... Um, convex dome sitting on the top just waiting to pour over so rachel like you said uh this all has to do with surface tension and how the water molecules are interacting with the material they're being poured into um tldr do you remember the word meniscus oh yes i do i remember pouring my little water into my little beaker and my little tubes and being like you measure from the meniscus yes honestly i kind of loved science class why did i why didn't i why didn't I become a doctor? 
<laughs> Any real doctor listening to the show is about to send us just a... <laughs> there are many reasons I didn't become a doctor. I respect all of you deeply. <laughs> so TLDR, meniscus, surface tension. This has been your Abbott Elementary Science lesson of the day. Unlike many of the challenges we've talked about on this show, what's so great about this one is how utterly harmless it is. And by so great, I mean so not likely to get banned from TikTok. (laughs) We can still look (laughs) up the hashtag, even though this peaked about nine months ago. There's, There's no danger involved here. Quite, I don't even know how you could possibly add danger into this. What you're saying is it's not the milk crate challenge. Yeah, no, which I'm going to be honest means that I'm not as invested in it. Funny enough, Juju Smith did actually participate in the crate challenge and was uh, harangued online for promoting a dangerous activity. And I really feel like <laughs> if it's, it's not a challenge unless you get harangued online for promoting a dangerous activity. That's just my opinion. <laughs> okay. Are more people uh, inspired by his water cup challenge uh, getting on board with the the reemergence, the rehydration, the return of the water cup challenge, two water, two cup. Yes. <laughs> it's basically more sports teams have been trying to get in on the renewed potential virality because if there's anything we've learned in the past two years, it's that quite literally anything you can think of that might have an official account, and by literally anything, I mean literally anything, will try and get on a viral challenge. So the U.S. Football League, which is different from the NFL, I recently found out, posted their own version along with some small-time football, and by football I mean soccer leagues in the U.K., basically trying to take the whole, like, lads doing lad shit. But what's funny about these is that they actually are more violent and that whoever loses gets slapped. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Uh, No more slap content allowed on the show. I forgot about that. <laughs> Award season, baby. <laughs> anyway, so despite its lack of danger, I mean, unless you're going to add some slaps in, the Water Cup Challenge still satisfies that same little goblin itch in our brains, keeping us on the edge of our seat, waiting for what, in this case, might be the most insignificant thing to happen, which is a cup overflowing. After the break, we're going to be back to continue talking more about viral challenges and why we love them and why... The ultimate ending for every challenge is just corniness. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. If you love our podcast, and I really hope you do, then consider subscribing to Slate Plus. You'll get no ads on any Slate podcast, including this one. And most importantly, you'll be supporting our show. 
ICYMI would not be possible without y'all. Slate Plus helps keep the show going. You'll also get bonus segments and episodes on shows like Slow Burn, Amicus, Mom and Dad Are Fighting, and Big Mood, Little Mood. And you'll also get unlimited reading on the Slate website, which means you get access to every single article and advice column on Slate without ever hitting the paywall. Just visit slate.com slash ICYMI plus to sign up. That is slate.com slash ICYMI plus. And we're back with cups full of water, but not to drink because we got enough emails about that. I swear to God, we will never drink on this podcast ever again. So at this point, viral challenges have become a constant in our life, right? It's a post-ALS ice bucket challenge economy. Either one is currently happening or one is about to pop up in our feeds because it's been a while since we've seen one. So this time it was the water cup challenge for the second time. It is funny that we are apparently running out of challenges that we have to recycle the old ones, which means I expect the cinnamon challenge to come back in 2022. No. Oh, oh, I would honestly bet money. I would bet at least $10 that someone will try to revive the cinnamon challenge by the end of this year. The cinnamon challenge, in case you missed this particular nightmarish internet era, is cinnamon is hydrophobic. So when you try to eat it, Bad things happen in your mouth. So it's people trying to eat, like, I believe a full tablespoon, a spoonful Mm -hmm. of cinnamon, which just dries your mouth out like the Sahara, and then you choke and cough cinnamon out all your face holes. Not all the face holes. Cinnamon coming out your eyes? Look, can neither confirm nor deny. Anyway, dangerous, (laughs) bad, don't do it. Painful. But also simple, which is the most important thing for a challenge, because all you need in the cinnamon challenge is cinnamon and a spoon and a lack of respect (laughs) for your mouth all you need for the water cup challenge is a water a cup maybe at least two people although i guess you could play this by yourself if you wanted i don't fucking know anyway the drama is usually low stakes the competition is always really secondary to the entertainment i mean entertainment yes but entertainment for who i think the the next thing we have to talk about here right is how challenges exist purely for clout they're a growth hack first and foremost Oh, without a doubt. I mean, they really are only fun based on who's doing them. I rarely watch challenge videos by people that I'm not already invested in, which is why I'm assuming that the NFL one went viral. Either that or people just wanted to look at like hot men doing shit, which perhaps both. If any rugby teams want to get involved in the Water Cup Challenge, I wouldn't mind just putting it out there. I mean, it is true. We were just talking about the Ice Bucket Challenge, right? And I don't think there has been a challenge since then that was genuinely organic in that way, right? That challenge raised just an astronomical amount of money and actually made an impactful dent in (laughs) furthering research for ALS. And now we're just pouring water into cups. I mean, I don't even know if I would describe it as organic. It was definitely altruistic, but it was a deeply planned challenge by the ALS Foundation that found its footing across the world. You really think that? I just feel like that exploded to such a degree that even the person who had the good idea in the room, although I imagine they got laughed at in the room that day when they were like, what if, (laughs) what if we ask people to dump buckets full of ice water over their heads? I feel like this went just like 100 fold what anybody could have imagined. Oh, I agree with that. I definitely think the spread of it was organic, but I think that the actual, I feel like the crate challenge's beginnings were a lot more organic than the ice bucket challenge, for example. I could see that. But importantly, both of these challenges have something in common, which is that they are an engagement tool. 
for clout. And that's where the kind of games can get a bit tricky because it's really fun to watch somebody fail at doing something dumb and end up with water dumped on their head or pushed into a pool or falling off a stack of crates and possibly breaking their ribs. But at a certain point, even someone breaking their ribs becomes cringy. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> There's just, and I think even the ice bucket challenge got to this point. There's just a threshold of ubiquity where at a certain point, it's just so oversaturated that it feels like the only reason anyone is doing it is for clout. Whereas for the first, I would say, wave of a challenge, there's at least the veneer or organicness. I mean, Rachel, they were dumping buckets of water over their head. Oversaturation was kind of the point. But you see what I mean, where people were doing it just yes. to do it. And they weren't actually donating. And that was annoying, where I was like, you're just doing this because someone tagged you in it. You're not even giving any money. I think that's what I liked so much about... We're, com- we're going back to Abbott Elementary. I liked so much yes. about the desking episode, because it was so short that all you got was that like first organic wave. Obviously, this is fictionalized and scripted for television, but it was so believable to think that a group of fourth graders... <laughs> had decided to pull out their phones and jump across their desks. Yes, and had figured this out online, but also, most importantly, it showed the point in which a challenge stops becoming fun, which is when it becomes so ubiquitous that (laughs) the adults are in on it. The genuine delight, for sure, leaves at that point, and then we're just left with, you know, what we see actually play out on TikTok, which is influencers who make their living on clicks, you know, mugging to the camera... Talking about how funny it is that they're about to do the milk crate challenge, but in heels. Okay, but not that woman, because that woman was great. But, you know, the one after her, you know, Mm -hmm. hypothetically, who's in heels and also twirling flaming batons. It's just, it's once the influencers get to it. It's once somebody whose livelihood depends on us watching this video that it just stops becoming fun to consume. Where it's like... Obviously, we know everything on the internet is for clicks and for traffic and for clout. Like, at the even if you're not asking me for money, in some way you're getting money, even if it's just attention and the attention economy. But the best kind of content exists on this thin line where you can pretend that that's not true. I think what you're saying is these challenges are at their most enjoyable when they mean almost nothing, when they have mm-hmm. no substance, when all they are comprised of is just the hubris of, I can do that. The minute it starts being for clout or for work, they become less fun. And that, that is why people didn't like when you and I drank a gallon of water. (laughs) That's the only reason. Mm -hmm, That's it. That's it. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that basically only teens and hot people, specifically (laughs) hot men, should do challenges. Uh, Jojo Siwa and I would just like to enter the chat and say that um, (laughs) himbos can be women and we'd like to see them doing challenges too. You're right. Teens and himbos, a gender neutral term, should they're the only people who should be allowed to do a challenge. And that one woman who went up <laughs> the crate in the heels. Those are the only people allowed on the internet to do a challenge. That is the ICYMI decree. Well, I think we simply have to end the show here. I challenge you to find anything else to talk about. You can't. All right, that's the show. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so please subscribe. It is the best way to never miss an episode, to never miss a challenge, to never miss a challenge turning boring. 
Please leave a five-star rating and review in Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. Tell your friends we're doing challenges about us. Just spread the ICYMI gospel on this Easter week. You can also follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like, what's up with this challenge? You can also always drop us a note at ICYMI at slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader. We're edited by Allegra Frank, and Alicia Montgomery is executive producer of Slate Podcasts. See you online. Or at Abbott Elementary. <laughs> the Shut Up Please Challenge. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.